We are ending our study in the Gospel of Luke today. Uh, last Sunday we examined the crucifixion. Uh, and I have, so we, we saw Christ die on the tree for our sins uh, as a sacrifice for us. And I have preached through our resurrection uh, text. Luke 24 is where we have the accounts of the resurrection. Uh, and I've preached through those over the last two Easter's. So we're not going to pick those up again since we have just looked at the resurrection. But I do want us to uh, hear an account of the resurrection. And I'm going to read from one, our, one of our favorite uh, children's books titled The Biggest Story. So this is uh, the biggest story by Kevin DeYoung, his account of the resurrection. It just didn't seem right that the one destined to crush the serpent would be crushed himself. So when Jesus, the Christ, the son of the living God, died on the cross that Friday afternoon, it seemed a shocking evil beyond belief. And it was the worst Thing that has ever happened in the world. But it was also the best thing that's ever happened in the world. Just as we would expect from God, and just as God had planned it, we break promises, so God keeps His. We run from God, so He comes to us. We suffer for sin, so the Savior suffers for us. Our story is the story of God doing what we can't in order to make up for us doing what we shouldn't. The Christ suffers for our sins so that we might share in his sinlessness. And so deliverers are born to die. Things fall apart so that they can come together. God kicks his own people out of paradise and then does whatever it takes to bring them back again. As you may have heard... And should definitely tell someone else, the snake crusher who died on the cross didn't stay dead. He couldn't. Death had no claim on him. The devil had no case against him. And sin had no wages for him that he couldn't pay. Jesus just couldn't stay dead. And God just wouldn't let him rot in the tomb. So on the third day, God raised him from the dead. Jesus didn't stay dead. He defeated death. And that changes everything for us. This whole story changes everything for us. Before we move on from the Gospel of Luke, I want us to look back at the study because we've been in this for a while. Uh, we started it about a year and a half ago. Uh, and we've had a couple of short breaks in there a few different times, but we've been looking at Luke's gospel for a while. And so before we move on, I want us to just look back at uh, what we've been seeing in this study. What was the purpose of it? Uh, what have we seen and learned and been reminded about of our Savior in this story? And how do we now respond because of what has taken place? So our sermon is titled, Beholding our Savior. Beholding our Savior. Uh, 
We're going to, if you've got your Bibles, you can just turn to Luke's Gospel. We're going to be kind of referencing lots of different uh, scenes and stories throughout. Uh, we don't have a, a single text that we'll be looking at today, so I'm not going to read a full text up front. I'm going to pray for us, uh, and then we're just going to, to kind of summarize and look at, uh, at what we've been going through. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your uh, we thank you for your word, God. We thank you for your love. We thank you for sending Jesus for us. Let us be reminded of what has taken place and let that shape how we live daily. Thank you for the truth of your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So in this sermon, I want us to just kind of answer three questions uh, from this study, just kind of remind ourselves of what we've been going through. And the first question I want us to answer is this. What was the purpose of studying Luke? What was the purpose of studying Luke's gospel? So we spent, you know, almost 70 sermons. We've spent a year and a half looking at uh, this chronological account of what Jesus Christ has done and who he is. And so what was that purpose? And the answer to that question is to behold our Savior. To behold our Savior. By beholding our Savior week in and week out, we're just looking and reminding ourselves again, this is who Jesus is. This is what Jesus has done for us. Luke, that's why he wrote the gospel. That's why he wrote this account down. So we see at the beginning, and we've referenced this a couple of times through this study, uh, but in Luke 1, verse 3 and 4, he tells the reader why he was writing this account. It also seemed good to me, since I have carefully investigated everything from the very first, to write to you in an orderly sequence, most honorable Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things about which you have been instructed. Luke wanted to write down an ordered account. He investigated. He, he asked people questions. What did you see? When did it happen? How did things go? What did Jesus do? And then he wrote this detailed account. Historical account. It was meant to present Jesus Christ. It was meant to hold Jesus Christ out and say, this is who he is. This is what he's done for us. This is how our lives are different because of him. And so our purpose in studying Luke's gospel for all of this time was to behold the Savior. Uh, it's kind of like um, the beauty of a kaleidoscope. I love them. I find them fascinating. Even the little, like trinkety kids ones that your you know kids or grandkids may have that they play with i find them fascinating you hold it to the light and all the pieces have fallen together in this beautiful intricate design and then you just turn it a little bit and everything shifts and you see another beautiful intricate design over and over again there's just more beauty to behold and that's what we've been doing in Luke's gospel. It's holding out Christ to look at him. And it's finding the most beautiful Savior, the most magnificent, wonderful Savior. 
And with each story, with each detailed account that Luke has, has presented, we're just turning it a little bit and finding more beauty, more magnificence to behold in the Savior that we've been given. So that was our purpose through this study, to behold our Savior. So the question, the second question for us to ask then is, who is Jesus? If we've been wanting to behold Jesus, if we've been wanting to examine, and that was what Luke's purpose was to present an account of this is who Jesus is and what he's done, I wanted us to do a condensed summary of what we have seen about who Jesus is. And so a summary statement that I think kind of helps capture uh, a lot of what we've seen is this. Jesus is the Son of God who is the Savior of the world. Jesus is the Son of God who is the Savior of the world. Early on in Luke's account, he presents uh, these details. And then throughout the whole gospel, uh, the stories and the, the details that are filling out are filling in the picture of Jesus being the Son of God and the Savior of the world. So Luke 1, verse 32, this is when Gabriel is visiting young Mary to let her know you're going to bring a child into this world. And God is doing something magnificent in you and through you. And he tells her this. He will be, this is Luke 1.32, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Son of God. And the second part of our description of who Jesus is, the Savior of the world, we see again with an angel's announcement. It's on the night of the birth of Jesus, Luke 2, 10 and 11. But the angel said to them, speaking to the shepherds, if you remember the account, the angel said to them, don't be afraid for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the city of David, a Savior was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord. The good news is good news for everyone. It's good news for the whole world. And what is that news? The Savior has been born. The one that's going to rescue us had come. Jesus is the Son of God who is the Savior of the world. Later on in Luke's Gospel, we saw him, uh, we saw Jesus declare that that's what he was here for. That was his whole purpose, was to seek out and save. And so, right before he goes into Jerusalem, he's in Jericho, and there's a little man named Zacchaeus that is dying to be able to see Jesus. And he climbs up the sycamore tree, and Jesus comes by and says, I'm going to your place, Zacchaeus. And then we hear these words, Luke 19, verse 9, Today, salvation has come to this house, Jesus told him, because he too is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man has come 
to seek and to save the lost. That's, that was his purpose. That was his mission. That was the whole reason he came was to seek out and save the lost. To seek you out. To bring salvation to you. To make it possible for you, could, for you to be forgiven of your sins and made right with God. And as we have looked at Luke's gospel in order to behold Jesus as the Son of God who is the Savior of the world, we've seen Him described in so many different ways that kind of fall under this. Right? He was the promised Messiah. The one that God had been saying, I'm going to send someone to right the wrongs. He's the one with all authority. All authority over creation. All authority over evil. All authority The one with all power, who can stop the winds of the storms with a word, who can control demons with his uh, his words. He has all power. He can defeat evil. He's the one who restores us. We saw over and over again the compassionate Savior that stepped into the brokenness of our lives. And was restoring us, making us new again, whole again, the way that things were supposed to be. And most recently, we've seen him as the unwavering Savior, the one that was committed to going to the cross. All the way back in Luke 9, he set his face on Jerusalem. And he didn't look away, knowing what was going to happen there. He was committed to going and dying for our sins. We saw him as the innocent one who took our guilt. We saw him as the rejected one who was purchasing our acceptance. And we saw him as the sacrifice. The one that died in our place so that we could have life. And so much more. Luke's Gospel presented so many images of our Savior Jesus. The Son of God who is the Savior of the world. So many beautiful truths to behold about who He is. Now the goal, of course, of knowing all of these things is not just to gain more knowledge. The goal is that that would change us, that that would change how we live, that would change how we respond to the truth that we've heard. Since this is true, the stories that we've heard about Jesus Christ and what the Son of God did in order to rescue us That literally changes everything and for believers should change the trajectory of everything in our lives. It should elicit a response from us. And so that takes us to our last question. How do we respond to Jesus? How do we respond to Jesus? With the details that we've studied over and over again about the Savior of the world... How do we now respond? And I want us to consider three, uh, three answers to this. The first thing is we believe in Him. We believe in Him. 
That's what Luke was wanting. That was his goal in presenting this account of Jesus Christ over and over and over again as the Son of God who is the Savior of the world. He wanted the reader to believe in 1 verse 4 again so that you may know the certainty certainty of these things that you've been instructed. So that you'll know without a doubt this is true. Jesus Christ really is this person. And He really did these things for us. So we believe in Him. First, for salvation. Scripture is clear that that is the only way that we will be saved. is through believing in Jesus or faith in Jesus Christ. The book of Acts uh, State salvation is in no one else. There is no other name under heaven by which we are saved. So the first response, if you are here and you have not trusted in Christ for salvation, if you haven't believed in Him, you've been on the fence, you have heard these things, but I don't know. The first response is to believe in Him. Believe that Jesus really is the Son of God who came and died for your sins so that you could be forgiven. Of course, belief in Jesus doesn't just stop with salvation. Certainly, we believe in Him for salvation. That's the first step. But belief in Jesus is something that should shape everything. Every day of our lives should be grounded in what it is that we believe about the Savior that we have been given. We believe in Him for all of life. Since this is true of who Jesus is and what He has done for us, that should shape us if we have trusted in Him. Because we believe these words are true about Jesus, we can live with hope. Because we believe these words about Jesus, we can have peace when the world is truly falling apart around us. We can have a peace that's only possible because of God and what has been accomplished through Jesus Christ. Because we believe this is true, we can actually take our sin seriously and fight it. Because Christ was willing to die for it. It shapes our daily lives. We believe in Him. The second response to the Savior is this. We follow Him daily. The second response to Jesus is we follow Him daily. Luke 9, verse 23, we see these words. Then He said to them all, If anyone wants to follow after Me, Let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. Deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. If you want to be a follower of Christ, a disciple of Christ, it is a daily commitment. And church, the challenge for all of us, every single one of us, is for us to see Christ as something that we've added to our lives and then we just go about our lives just living kind of for the moment. 
We think of Jesus, even if we may not say this, he's the the thing that we've added to ourselves so that we can get eternal life in heaven. But we don't think of following him as a daily decision, a daily denial of myself saying, I will go where he wants me to go. I will do what he wants me to do. I'll deny what it is that I want in this moment. And follow Him. We get so focused on the daily grind of things in this world. We get focused on our careers. We get focused on our families. We get focused on longing for the vacations or the the weekends. That we forget that following Jesus needs to be a daily commitment. So I would challenge every one of us, myself included, let's start by praying about that regularly. Maybe start our days. For some of us, that may be after the coffee kicks in. But let's, let's start our days praying, Lord, I want to follow you more today than I did yesterday. I need you to show me where you're leading me today. And I need you to give me a heart of obedience to follow you and do what it is that you want me to do. Help me live the life that you're calling me to. So let's start with that. Praying for the Lord to lead you. And then following Him daily in the moments that He gives you. We should respond to Jesus by following Him daily. And lastly... The third response to our Savior is this. Be a witness of who Jesus is. Be a witness of who Jesus is. We see this at the end of Luke's Gospel. We looked at it the um, second week after Easter this year. Luke 24, starting in verse 46, He also said to them, This is what is written. The Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations. Beginning, (coughs) excuse me, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. You are witnesses of these things. Jesus declared this was all part of God's plan. And I was going to come, and I was going to suffer, I was going to die for your sins. But I was going to rise on the third day. And now, people have an opportunity to be forgiven, to be made right with God. And what's your task in this? What's your role in this? You are witnesses. Verse 48, you are witnesses of these things. A witness gives an account. Right? Think in a courtroom. The witnesses give an account. This is what happened. This is, these are the facts. These are the details. And so Jesus says, if, if, your job is to tell the world forgiveness of sins is made available to you. You can be made right with God. You can have eternal life with God because of Jesus. We serve as a witness Jesus says, you go and tell them. Tell them this good news. 
So the question for us, church, is to ask, who can we be a witness to about the forgiveness of sins, about the salvation that's made available in Jesus Christ? We are all called to a missional life, a life that is a witness of who Jesus is and what he's done in our homes, in our jobs, in our daily lives. Some of you may be called or the Lord is preparing to call you to go to the ends of the earth. And some of you may be called to your community, but we are all called to be missional We are all called to be witnesses. So let's be intentional in fostering that church in our own individual lives and in our ministries here. We want them to be grounded in a missional look at the lost world that needs to hear about the forgiveness of sins that's available in Jesus Christ. And you may be thinking, I'm not at, at the point where I could go to the, to the far ends of the world. Or I'm not at the point where I could go and do something else. I don't have the health, or I don't have the time, or I don't have this. There are still ways for you to be missional in your life. There are ways for you to support missions. Right? We have a, a not VBS event uh, where we went out into the community. We've got another one coming up next month. We're going out in the community to demonstrate the love of Jesus and tell them the good news. If you're able, come to that one-day event. We've heard about an opportunity to partner with Mara Griffin, who is on mission at the college and is fundraising for her position to be able to pour into the students at TVCC. That's an opportunity for you to partner and become missional and care about the lost world. Let's share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And let's demonstrate the love of Jesus Christ to a lost world. That's what Jesus has called us to as his followers. Be a witness. Share this good news with others. What a magnificent, beautiful Savior we have been given. And so, church, let's continue daily beholding him. Let's continue to behold him throughout our entire lives. And let's believe these truths in such a way that completely changes how we live. Let's choose to follow him daily because he gave up his life for us so that we could have life. So let's choose to follow him daily since he has rescued us. And let's join in gospel mission in our lives and in our church. Let's be on mission, sharing the good news to the lost world. Our magnificent Savior is worthy of it all. I want to end today's service a little bit different than what we normally do. I'd like for us to have some quiet reflection time on the, on the Savior that we've been given. Kathy's going to play for a few minutes, and I'd like for us to just, where we are, pray. If you want to come up front, uh, if, if that will help you. If you want to come up front and pray here, you can pray here. Uh, just thanking God for Him sending Jesus for us. Pray about your daily walk with Jesus. 
And if you're here and you haven't trusted in Jesus Christ before, would you believe in him today? Would you turn to him today? If you want to talk with someone about salvation, Chris and Amy are going to be at the back and Cody and Megan are going to be at the back and I'm going to be over here on the side during this time while everyone's praying. If you have some questions, like I've been hearing about this Jesus and I I know that I need to make a decision. If you want to talk with someone, people are going to be available while Kathy plays and while everyone is praying. Or if you're recognizing and sensing conviction from the Holy Spirit, I know I haven't been taking my faith seriously Seriously, I know that I've been distracted and you want someone to pray with you about that. You can come and we would be happy to pray. But let's let's spend some time praying together for a couple of minutes uh, before we have our closing uh, time of worship. And if you want someone to pray with, there'll be people available for that.